Hello, beautiful souls. We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information. Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. Welcome to to the the Ecstatic Ecstatic Existence Existence Podcast. Yay, hello, welcome back to the Ecstatic Existence Podcast. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. And I have been like giddy excited all day long for this episode and for our magnificent guest who is uh, not only a mentor of mine, but a dear friend of mine. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited. Today we have with us magnificent guest Stephanie Dawn, and she is a sacred living and business mentor to the visionaries transforming the dominant paradigm from fear to love. Whether birthing a baby or a business, she created Sacred Birth Work, a spiritual teaching for expectant parents, and she founded the Sacred Birth Mentor Program, which teaches birth professionals sacred birth work and certified them to teach it. She is the author of the soon-to-be-released Your Sacred Birth, a Visionary Guide to a New Birth Paradigm. Stephanie coaches clients via her private practice, her online courses, her in-person workshops and retreats. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, their two boys, and their ball python crystal. (laughs) And so Stephanie is a, a dear friend of mine and a mentor, and I have been so excited about this episode all day long, and, and being able to just share space with her is really a gift. Uh, so welcome, my beloved friend, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, and this is some really exciting topics that we get to discuss with you. You are an expert in some specific fields that we haven't had anyone on the show get into before. So this is some big stuff, very important stuff, and I'm just so glad that you're here to share it. Yeah, and really hot topics in the media right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know that I'd call myself an expert, more just a concerned citizen and a very devoted and passionate mother who learned more than I ever thought that I would about these issues. Yeah, it's it's big. It's really big. Mm -hmm. So I would love to start with your your work in the birth world. I have a, a doula background, and so this is a topic that's really dear to my heart. And I think that this, uh, the birth world and the birth industry, is where mothers and and fathers and parents um, have their first brushes of disempowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then what about the child? Talk about the newborn baby has the first brush of impo- disempowerment too. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great place to start because that's really where I mean my life just changed phenomenally with the birth of my first boy. And, um, but even let's back up just a little bit because when I was pregnant with Jasper, uh, about, I don't know, five to six months prior to his birth, I just wasn't really finding the people and the conversations that I wanted to be having about the sanctity of birth. And, you know, my midwife didn't have time. There weren't doulas back then. I was a spiritual practitioner with a, a coaching, a counseling rather clientele back then. And I really was wanting to have conversations with other moms about these spiritual feelings that I was having about becoming a mom. And so I created the very first sacred birth workshop back then. 
before I gave birth to Jasper, wow. an effort to meet my own needs. Right. <laughs> and I invited um, a hypnobirthing expert and some other professionals, I can't remember, it was quite a while ago, to come in and talk to us, us expectant moms. And I knew that something magical was happening in that first meeting when, or first workshop, I should say, when one of the expectant moms had lost a baby at full term which is highly unusual and very rare and was very fearful uh, around having the exact same thing happen again. And so when I saw the level of release and transformation that happened in the sacred container of the sacred birth workshop, it blew my mind. I got to keep doing this. So I kept teaching the sacred birth workshop. And the more that I taught it, the more that I realized how disempowered women feel uh, in their pregnancies and in their births. And it was a huge learning curve for me. So I was sort of balancing all the spiritual tools and techniques that I was teaching, mostly expected moms to start. And then I welcomed in the dads ultimately for a while there. It was just women with what I was learning in the external world, uh, the, the, our current American birth landscape and, and beyond. I mean, I've learned so much over the last decade or so of doing this work around what's going on in the, in the Western medical model of care. And, and so what we see going on globally with women and girls in terms of the oppression, suppression of women uh, is absolutely happening in birth in the United States of America. And so it was pretty jaw dropping for me to discover all of this and to gingerly and gently weave this into how I worked with moms. So um, it's been quite the arc of, of experience and transformation for me. And I'm so excited to distill it all into this book that I'm currently writing, Your Sacred Birth. Yeah, so those those were the early days, uh, how it all began over 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, and so without getting all doom and gloom, what are some of these oppressive, you know, horrendous things that are happening in the United States birth industry? Yeah, it's really important to at least touch on a couple of them because some people that haven't been exposed to any other alternative think that that's just what the system is. And so what kind of things are we talking about? Bullying for um, interventions, coercion, uh, you know, informed consent is, is, is the right of all um, medical patients in the United States. And routinely women do not have con informed consent when they're in the hospital to give birth. It's almost like women giving birth, it's like they're, they're in this bubble of, of being treated in ways that no other patients are treated. It's very unusual. And so my work and many of the work of my colleagues has been about empowering women to speak up, to stand in their power and empowering their mates as well. And, you know, doulas have a, a beautiful hand in this and how they support expectant parents in the hospitals to create empowerment and confidence in the decisions that they're making. First of all, hospitals are businesses. And that was a really big aha moment for me when I was like, oh, I see why. Because if they make you do this, they make more money. Yep. You know, that was a turning point for me. And I saw that we need to be empowering expectant parents that are choosing 90% of American couples are choosing to birth in the hospitals, only 2% birth at home and in birth centers. We have a, a, a huge majority of people choosing to birth in the hospital setting. And I, I often refer to it as the lambs to the slaughter because we have a ridiculously high 
cesarean birth rate, unnecessary cesarean birth rate, in my opinion, when uh, we're treating birth like it's a medical emergency, when really it's many cases is not and is a natural occurrence in a woman's life. So we were we were made to do this. It's part of our divine power that we have as women on planet Earth is to give birth if we choose to do it. And so our body knows what to do. Yeah, so just, you know, forced episiotomies. Uh, there was a groundbreaking case in California that is just going to trial right now where a woman was cut 12 times Jeez. without her consent. Without her consent. Wow. So violence. It really you know, violence. violence in the name of birth. I don't know how else to describe it. Well, but, and then uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear that's instilled so that they can push these certain drugs that women aren't really educated about and women go in and they trust their doctor and the nurses, you know, to mm. have their best interests in mind and and that's not always the case. Um I mean, we recently heard a story about a woman who had a cesarean and was totally put unconscious and the doctors making sexual references about her genitalia, like reaching his hand inside of her and, and making sexual mockery of the whole thing. So that's essentially rape, right? Exactly. And then, you know, of course, this is all going on on the mother's end. And then what's happening with the child is equally heinous. You know, just from the one instance that we're talking about, about these unnecessary cesareans, I'm going to bring in my yoga practice a little bit here. And one of the predominant reasons that yogis do headstands is to press on the very top of the head. It's called the brigma point. And what this is, it was the fontanelle. It was the soft spot of the baby and it was the plates of the skull grew together. Well, the reason we press on that is because it acts as kind of a, a reboot, a restart for our system. And it's thought that as the baby in a traditional birth passes down through the birth canal, there's all that pressure on the top of the head. And it literally kickstarts all the nervous system, the lungs, the heart, the circulation. The immune system. Everything. The baby needs that squish. And so without that push, without that pressure, they don't actually experience that boost to their health that they normally mm -hmm. would. And that's just one <laughs> small aspect of this whole hellacious issue. Well, and then it takes away, yeah, the baby's power, too, when they're injected with all these, the mother's injected with lots of drugs that, you know, kickstart different processes. And, um, you know, the baby's not able to then determine when it's born and how it's born. A lot of people don't even recognize that as a component, and it's huge. Well, so so everything that we're all speaking about here is a lack of reverence and sanctity, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, you know, during one of the most transformational experiences that a woman and a, a couple can have. It's really the closest and, to God you can ever be, in a sense. Yeah, that's how I felt. I mean, after giving <laughs> birth to my children, I was like, okay, I can now die knowing that I will probably never create anything as magnificent as what just happened. Right. <laughs> there's no painting, there's no project, there's nothing that I could do that would ever be as magnificent as giving birth to these boys. Wow. So, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, and so from the very beginning, parents are putting their faith and their trust in the hands of medical professionals, and they're being very disempowered. Yes. And so when I was formulating sacred birth work, my whole intention was to support and empower the parents to stop deferring their authority to an outside source and to come back to, to themselves and to really move from that place of owning their own authority and their own power in all of their decision making, beginning prenatally and then within the, the experience of birth. And then, of course, 
after the baby is born and they are, are now officially parents, it's like beginning that parenting, owning that parenting power prenatally. That was really my thrust with the sacred birth work in the early days. And that's really the thrust and the essence of the book that I'm writing. That's really amazing. Thank you for being a trailblazer in this field. You know, you talk about the lack of reverence that the medical system has, and it is pretty much like the same treatment as going in to get your tonsils removed as ushering in a new life and a new soul onto the planet. That's well, pretty but, callous. Well, and then not even just having your tonsils removed, but them just doing it without even asking you. It's like, here you are right. taking a nap, and then they rip your tonsils out. Oh, by the way, we, we did... Took these tonsils yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I have I have so many friends that when they tell me their birth story, I'm just like, wow, really? I mean, I have a friend who, you know, she had a wonderful birth. It was in a hospital. But then the post-care, um, here she is breastfeeding her baby. They actually took her baby from her and then began squishing and pushing violently on her stomach. And she's, like, screaming in agony. And her husband's like, what the hell are you doing? Stop. You're hurting her. And the And the nurse is like, oh, this is normal procedure. We have to squish her belly and make sure there's nothing left in there. And it's like, well, you didn't want ask if you could touch me and you didn't even tell me and explain what you were going to be doing and why you needed to be doing it. You just took my baby out of my arms and began violently pressing on my abdomen. So, and that's just, those are just some of the small stories. Okay. Well, so let's, let's flip this and give it the other end of the spectrum. What are some of the things that couples and women can do to take these empowered steps in their birth experience? Yeah, great question, Daniel. I'm a counselor and I'm a coach. So personal development, I eat it for breakfast every morning. <laughs> like it's, just, it's, it's everything for me. And it's, you know, the last 20 years have been what my entire life has been dedicated towards that and to release what wasn't true about me and to really come into my own power. And so, you know, couples can begin to work with a professional a birth counselor or birth coach, they can find, if someone doesn't have that specific name, they can find a counselor or coach or a therapist. Uh, really, it's just about going deeper into oneself in order to, what I, what I would say, clear the channel so that you are as free as you possibly can be before baby ever arrives. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. I mean, I began doing that in the sacred circle, the sacred birth workshops. And, and then I began a practice where I started working with expectant parents to help them privately, you know, not in a group setting. And so there are many birth professionals, including several that I've certified that will help you to do this. And then there are many doulas who show up in that capacity. Gosh, so many doulas, they have so many initials behind their names and they are <laughs> such a beautiful resource prenatally for moms because and, and dads. because midwives and doctors don't have time and that's not what their focus is. Their focus is on the health of the baby. Whereas doulas are really about uh, mothering the mothers. And oftentimes they're prenatal yoga instructors. They are Reiki practitioners. Yeah. They are nutritional coaches. I mean, they have so many different uh, wonderful attributes. And so find someone that you love and you trust that can be a trusted advisor that can really help you pierce beyond the surface of what's going on for you and have that discussion with you about what does this mean to you about becoming a parent? Like what could block your ideal birth scenario? Do you have birth trauma from your own birth or from how you were treated as a child or whatever it might be, you know? 
Yeah, and then I think also having some idea and awareness and knowledge about like what is general protocol of a hospital? Like what are the what are the steps that they will want to take you through if this and this and this and this happens, right? And then knowing yeah. knowing what that is and then knowing also your own body mm-hmm. like like you had mentioned and yeah, just having like how much more awareness can you get is is always my route. Like what else do, can I know? Yeah. Well, it it really did feel like a college course when I was pregnant in terms of the amount of information that I was taking in. And also, I really want to support parents to find books that resonate and find resources that resonate. If something's making you feel ill or unwell or is dissonant in any way, put that resource down and find a resource that feels really, really good to you. Because there's, there's an incredible array of books and resources and videos and what have you. And you want to feel good about what you're taking in, um, period in life, <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of what you, um, what you experience, what you digest energetically or visually. And so the same goes with birth, pregnancy and birth. There were so many books that I picked up and I put right down until I found the ones that I love. Like anime, anything by anime Gaskin is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Sheila Kitzinger, incredible natural birth advocate in the United Kingdom. She's passed on. But she has some great books. There's uh there's a lot of good stuff out there. You just want to make sure you're tuning into that which really feels good to you. And there's so many different options and how a woman can give birth. Mm-hmm. So many different options. Yeah, you could choose an unassisted birth out in the woods. Right. Yeah. With yeah. a distance with a distance midwife or doula, you know, on on the cell phone. I mean, you can you know, there's really runs the gamut in yeah. terms of where and how and with who do you birth? I know. Like like some of these um, birthing centers are like luxury hotels. They're absolutely gorgeous. Like I would want to just stay there for a weekend, you know? <laughs> and you could give birth in mm-hmm. absolute beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And as time goes on, there's going to be a lot more of that, Rachel, because as we progress here as, as the human race with our own evolution, we're going to be consciously creating the spaces that we want to, uh, you know, that we want to create. I mean, I can imagine a sacred birth center Mm -hmm. (laughs) somewhere. Yeah. You you know, know. with medical support waiting in the wings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely time to put a whole different emphasis on the process of these souls coming into the planet, because we could do a whole different show just on the, on the trauma of birth in the modern experience and the kind of effects that that can have on somebody throughout their whole life without them knowing it. Mm -hmm. And then the business of birth and, you know, how they rush the process along so that they can get to their, you know, vacation in the Bahamas or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so now we have the babies out in the world. That's great. And now we move on to one of your other big areas of concern, which is vaccinations. So I'd like to know how you got involved with parental rights and vaccine safety. When I was pregnant with Jasper, I'm not even sure how it came up, but I began to research vaccinations and was given a book by a colleague of mine called How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Doctor. Mm, Nice. And I read that book from cover to cover. And what I learned in that book was that childhood diseases are no big deal, that they come, 
you pull your kid out of school for a couple weeks, you care for them, they get better and they go back to school and then they're, they have natural immunity. So that was incredibly empowering. It was written by a pediatrician in New York State, Robert Mendelson, uh, who's since passed on. And then I watched a, a video on vaccine safety you know, from Australia. And it used the term Russian roulette with vaccines. And I was like, hell no, I am not playing Russian roulette with my child. And so with that video and this book, I was like, I will manage it and it'll be okay. So I said no to vaccines from the get-go. You know, my first birth was at home, so there was nobody waiting to stick a, a needle inside of my baby at that birth. And then the second birth with Zephyr was in a hospital with midwives and a doula in the hospital two years later. And I said no to absolutely everything that they wanted to do. And at that point, I knew what my rights were and I exercised them. And there was pushback. The head of pediatrics came in and she was like, she was, first of all, physically, she was like this large woman. And energetically, she was like, it was, she was almost like a pit bull. You know, she was just really aggressive towards me and my husband about us not wanting to have anything done to our kid and just wanting to go home. And so uh, they wanted us to spend the night. I'm like, no, my two-year-old's at home. My sister's in town. I want to go home to my own bed. Stop blocking me, you know? And my husband, he really went for it. And and God bless him. He was a gorgeous advocate for us and for our baby. And so we signed all the paperwork that, you know, exempted them from any liability should anything go wrong. And we took our baby home. So it really began, it began prenatally for me. And then with school, once they became school age, I just signed the personal belief exemptions here in California. Well, come February of 2015, last year, I received a message from my dear friend Shafika on uh, Facebook. And she said, Stephanie, you're not going to believe this, but there's a bill that's trying to take away the personal and belief exemptions in California to send children to school. And I'm like, yeah, right. That'll never pass. Even as I'm thinking this and writing this, I could go back and look at the message thread. I can remember staying up all night that night. I couldn't sleep because it was really, really upsetting to me that someone was even trying to do this. It felt so egregiously wrong to me. Like the mama bear inside of me just got really big. And all spring of last year, we fought this bill, SB 277, hundreds and thousands of parents together on Facebook, talking to our legislators, talking to our assembly people, talking to senators, going to Sacramento, talking to one another, strategizing, fundraising. I mean, you name it, we did it. And it made no difference whatsoever. They passed the law June 30th of 2015, and it was enacted this past July 1st, so uh, almost one week ago tomorrow. And so for our listeners that don't know, what does this mean? What does this law mean? SB 277 removes the personal belief exemptions in order to send your children to school, and it demands that you, that you vaccinate your child to the current 2016 CDC schedule, 
which has a grand total of, oh, 73 vaccines. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. And so then they would want to have your perfectly healthy, unvaccinated children just come in in like a day and get 77 or whatever vaccines? Well, in order to attend seventh grade, that's what they wanted for Jasper. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So let's just give you uh, some context for this. In 1960, we had five vaccines and three injections, polio, smallpox, and DTP. And then in 1983, we had 24 vaccines. And then, you know, fast forward to 2016, here we are with 73 vaccines. And I was just, again, I was like, hell no, you will not vaccinate my child in order to send them to school. And not only will you not vaccinate my child to send them to school, but this goes against the Nuremberg Code, which um, was created after World War II that says you will not have any medical procedure forcibly enacted upon you without your consent. It goes against the California state constitution that uh, requires that all children receive a public education, not all vaccinated children. I call it the 50 shades of wrong about this law. There are so many aspects of this law that are wrong. Honestly, you guys, we could talk for several hours. I feel tremendously for parents who are unable to send their children to school now who will have to homeschool. This is going to create economic hardship for many families who need those double incomes. Uh, Many people are choosing to leave the state. I mean, the landscape, the fabric of the state of California, if this law continues and there is an injunction, an injunction was filed last Friday at the Health Freedom Rally in San Diego, a lawsuit was filed that we've all been working on for the last year, uh, was finally filed last Friday to create an injunction to halt this law until they can clear, and this brings in another topic that I wanted to share with you guys about, uh, uh, clear the uh, connection between the MMR vaccine and autism, which is connected to the fact that there's a CDC whistleblower who has come forward, who has admitted that they found a connection in 2004, and they trashed the science. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so yeah. let's go let's go deeper into that one because for anybody who might still be thinking, well, why not get vaccines, right? I don't want my kid to get mumps or measles or any of these other, you know, random diseases. Why should we think about not vaccinating our children? Right. So that brings in the topic of what is immunity and what creates disease. So it's a much larger health topic, Mm -hmm. Daniel, um, that I think every parent really needs to do their due diligence because I cannot tell you how many parents I know and I've witnessed online who did not do their research and vaccinated at the behest and many times bullying of their pediatrician uh, thinking that everything would be okay, never read a vaccine insert, never even questioned the doctor and saw after the fact that the vaccine inserts do say that there are numerous vaccine injuries that can happen, including autism. They're in black and white in the vaccine insert that the drug companies have to state and they do state it. Here's, here's the thing though. No one will say that vaccines cause autism, but what they do say in the inserts is that vaccines can cause the injury of autism. That's all they will say, but they will not directly attribute it to vaccines. Right. Because of that roulette. So like it won't do that to every person, every child, but it could. 
Yeah. And so here's the really gray areas. Like, so how do we determine who should receive a vaccine and who shouldn't? So I know now because of my research that there are genetic markers and you can get genetic testing from certain doctors who have a more sort of interdisciplinary way of working and will run these tests for you. And I'm happy to report that as a result of my inquiry last year, I started to connect the dots in terms of my own story, you guys. And I, so I need to go back to the mid-70s, uh, early 70s, actually, up in Canada, when I received all the childhood vaccinations. And then out of the blue, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And I had grand mal and petty mal seizures for seven years. Wow. And I took the synthetic drug Dilantin for seven years. And at the time of puberty, I started using my mind to make the uh, seizures go away, which was my first experience with the science of mind, nice. <laughs> the power of the mind. <laughs> and, um, and then after the seizures went away, I had a whole slew of allergies. So what we now know is that epilepsy and allergies are known vaccine injuries. And so I now believe that my epilepsy was a, a result of vaccines uh, because mercury did indeed exist in vaccines. And I've been affirmed by my doctor that that was indeed the case. And so we went ahead and found a doctor that I shared my history and our family's health history with. And she said, oh, no, I would not vaccinate these children at all. She said, you know, you did really great until age seven. And then and then everything changed in my world. And for the first time since this whole nightmare began last February 2015, I felt like I was being listened to, I was being heard, and that there was no way that I was going to vaccinate my kids. And this doctor agreed with me because had she not agreed with me, I would have walked out to find someone who could give us a medical exemption for my son, Jasper. Until he's ready to make his own decisions over his body autonomy, I, I will make those decisions and, and he will not be vaccinated. And, you know, it's just so outrageous. I've, as I've been listening to your story, I've just been here shaking my head in disgust and disbelief about all these things that these unknown chemicals do. But, like, just thinking about the MMR vaccine alone, measles, mumps, rubella, right? We've been giving that to our kids for, do you know how long we've been using that one, Stephanie? You say since the 60s? Uh, yeah, definitely since the 60s, possibly a little bit I longer. I think earlier even, yeah. And so at least since the 1960s, we've been vaccinating a huge percentage, close to 100% of kids with this vaccine. When's the last time you heard of anybody having mumps or measles <laughs> or rubella? Nobody has it. We're vaccinating against this thing like it's running rampant and you could catch it at the corner store. Right. So what you're highlighting is, um, <laughs> if it's not obvious already, what you're highlighting is the extreme degree to which drug companies and our government are in bed. And this is the big problem with the CDC. The whole vaccine department of the CDC needs to come out of the CDC because currently, you know, the fox is guarding the hen house. The people who are running the CDC, it's a, it's a revolving door from drug and pharmaceutical companies into government and into the CDC. And so it's all, if you just follow the money, you guys, you'll see what I've learned. I mean, the rabbit holes that I went down last year, things that I never really, ever really wanted to know. When you start researching this stuff, uh, we are so egregiously corrupt in our country. It's jaw dropping. 
the exact same kind of things that you mentioned transfer over into other industries as well, as far as the agriculture and... Oh, our food industry is just disgusting. Yeah, and then even the industrial military complex, too. You'll have people that worked for uh, government contractors that then the next thing you know end up working in the government. So it's very much like you say, the fox guarding the hen house. Yeah, there's a great film out there that ties all the dots between big pharma, um, big agriculture, and our government, the triangle. Uh, it's called Bot. And uh, if any of your listeners or if you guys haven't yet to watch that, I highly recommend it. It's a very good film that I watched last year. The other film that I really want to highlight for your listeners is the film Vaxxed, V-A-X-X-E-D, uh, that film and the producers of that film are, uh, they're really changing this movement nationally currently. And then it's going to be, uh, available to be live streamed internationally at the end of the summer. They highlight specifically the MMR vaccine and the issue with the CDC whistleblower in that film. And some of the information that comes out in that film <laughs> we have got so much work to do to safeguard our children. Like who would have thought we're the last frontier. The parents are the last frontier because everyone else wants to get their mitts on our kids to earn a, a buck. It's sick. And so this film backs some of the, the statistics that it brings forth. You know, we're currently one in 50 in terms of the amount of children that have autism in our country. We used to be one in like, I think, 2000, one in uh, approximately 2000, um, you know, 30, 30 or so years ago. And by 2030, it's going to be one in two. Wow. One half in of two. the half of the population is going to have autism. And so what's making this happen, you guys? Why are we what, what we're just getting better at diagnosing autism? No, nope. something is happening to our children. And it, you can, you know, maybe it's the vaccines. Uh, it's not a maybe for me, but, you know, just to, to, to be the devil's advocate, maybe it's our drinking water. Maybe it's um the GMO food. Yeah, GMO foods pesticides in the air that we're breathing in from our farming practices. I mean, it's a it's a cocktail of of heavy metals and toxins that is assaulting our children's immune systems. I'm just reminded of a book that I read like some gosh 25 years ago that precipitated all of this. It said all of this was going to happen, Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marcinia. Oh, yeah, such a good book. Oh, my yeah, gosh. she was talking about this way back when. I'm just remembering in Santa Cruz reading this book. And that's the but thing that's so scary for me is that, like, regardless of what people's stance is on vaccines and whether they're safe or not, with this law passing that's mandating it, I mean, that's just so scary because it takes away all of the rights to even choose. You have no choice now. No. And it's not no. going to, I mean, it's not going to stop in California. Like the government would love for that to infiltrate the whole country. Right. Exactly. And they're trying. I mean, there are similar bills going through the state legislatures or they've gone through every state in the union. This is big. I mean, and, and this is global. It's not just the United States. I mean, I have vaccine activist parents in um, in Australia that are dealing with the exact same thing right now. So it, this is a global agenda. And it's not just about our children. Right. Adults, uh, are everybody. Ne adults are next. Yeah, and the elderly. And, you know, it's like you have to be able to say yes or no if you want things injected into your body. Like we have to have full reign over this body that we reside in. 
and that we chose to be in. And yeah, I just, I cannot wrap my brain around that anybody would tell me that I didn't have an option. Right, Rachel. So you see why it was that I wanted to come up to Washington State last year, because Washington Washington State smacked down the law, the bill hard. And ultimately, we've decided to stay and hold our ground and, and be a part of the revolution, which <laughs> after last year, I was like, I'm tired. I just want to go and live somewhere where they already get it, you know? Right. <laughs> But, um, you know, something that came forward for me last year is I did become a leader for my community because a lot of people are really afraid to talk about this. And I am not afraid. I am not afraid at all. And not only am I not afraid, but I have to speak up for those who won't or can't for whatever reason. And particularly the babies and the children, you yeah. know. Yeah. What it really boils down to for me is I just don't trust these corporations to have anyone's best interest in mind other than their own at all. And not to get too conspiracy theory out there, but just to play the what if game, there are some pretty incredible things that can be done with nanotechnology and nanobots. And we have no idea what they're actually injecting into our bodies. No idea. Well, I have some ingredients here. Do you want to know what some of the ingredients of uh, of vaccines are? And for you guys... Sure, are, the ones that they're actually going to maybe tell you about. Right. Right. So, <laughs> right. And particularly if you're vegan, this is going to be very disconcerting for you. Uh, sheep's blood, pig blood, horse blood, rabbit brain, dog kidney, monkey kidney, chick embryo, chicken egg, duck egg, calf, uh, that's bovine serum, Porcine, porcine, porcine Pig. uh, from pigs, yeah. casein from animal milk, hydrolyzed gelatin, GMO insect cells, and or aborted human fetal tissue. Right, because all that shit's going to keep me really healthy? Like, that makes no sense. If you don't want to get sick, then inject yourself with cow blood. Like, that doesn't even... It seems yeah. so, like, Frankenstein, archaic, um, like, snake oil... Just yeah. carny fucking oh, yeah. huckster. Mad scientist stuff. This it's is so, mad scientist yeah. stuff. And, and this is where um this is where I really wonder like, wow, and you are you are a proponent of health and radiant and dynamic well being. Like <laughs> no, sorry, I don't buy that. I'm not no. that dumb. You know? And, but what but wait, there's oh, more. I know. Here's, here's some other ones that Bring I want it. you you and your listeners to know about. Aluminum hydroxide, aluminum phosphate, monosodium glutamate. Awesome. Polysorbate 80, sorbitol, sucrose, and thimerosal. Oh, what's thimerosal? Ethyl mercury. Mm, good times. Known toxin to the body. Well, and then aluminum is what's causing a lot of the cancer, you know, and uh, the Alzheimer's and, and the autism too, right? Or is it the mercury that's doing that? Uh, well, it's, it's heavy I mean, metals, it's, period. It's heavy but metals. Yes. Yeah, it's yes and. And, you know, they think that, and there's another film out there called Trace Amounts, because they think that even if it's just in trace amounts, it can't harm us. Well, that is not true. Trace amounts can harm, and it's outlined beautifully in this film by Eric Gladen of that name, Trace Amounts. And it was his experience as an adult who received the tetanus vaccine uh, of the extreme health and physical issues that unfolded for him as a result of that vaccine. He lost his job. He lost his fiance. 
he uh, debilitating physical injury. And he ultimately, uh, I don't know if he's completely healed himself, but he has come so far and he tracks his whole experience and progression and research in that film. It is fascinating. Which is so scary for me because, you know, a couple years ago, three years ago, I stepped on a rusty nail. Like, so classic, that's how you get tetanus, you know? And I I fed into the fear. I wasn't going to do anything about it. You know, I put colloidal silver on it. I cleaned it really well. Um, I did a lot of my emotional work, um, you know, accountability kind of work. And yet, like, a few days passed, maybe even a week and everybody was like, oh my God, you're, you have to get, you have to get a tetanus shot. Like you haven't had one for like two decades. You have to. And, and I, then I started doing research about, you know, I went down that rabbit hole of fear about tetanus, which actually is such a funny word. It's like tet anus. (laughs) So I'm just like, I don't want all of my muscles to seize up to the point where my bones break. That's not what I want. Right. And so there's this like fear mongering. And so I went and I got a tetanus shot. And I feel so lucky when I hear stories like this. And luckily, because of my diet and because of the cleansing that I do, um, and I've been on my own heavy metal detox for actively for the three years since then, um, I cross my fingers that all is well within my body. But um, it is. It's that roulette. Yeah. Yeah. And something else that I want your you and your listeners to know is that in the United States or anywhere throughout the world... You cannot sue pharmaceutical companies if you you or your family member receives an injury. And and there's something known as the national, here in the States, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. It's a federal program, and it provides compensation to people found to be injured by certain vaccines. And the U.S. Court of Federal Claims decides who will be paid. And to date, $3.5 billion has been paid out to people who have had vaccine injury. And many people who have had vaccine injury don't even get to have their case heard because you have to be pretty stealthy to get that far. Uh, Many people, because so many people say, oh, no, it wasn't because of the vaccines. He was born with it. He was born like that or she was born like that. Or, you know, the, the, the denial is unbelievable by these trusted physicians and doctors who receive financial bonuses for ensuring that they do however many vaccines per month in their practice. It's sick. So, <laughs> yeah, fox guarding the hen house in everywhere you turn. So we parents, we are the ones who have to stand up and be firm. Yeah, it's so predatory. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's one of the one of the major things slowing human evolution i think and keeping us from really ascending is vaccines gmos fluoride and all those wonderful white trails that they're streaming out of airplanes Mm-hmm. yeah exactly so this is awesome so you're you're taking an active stand are there any resources that you'd like to share where people can go learn more about vaccines on their own or actually get involved with standing up against some of these propositions? Yeah. So one of the groups that I'm in that has really helped me on Facebook and anyone who's on Facebook can join this group. It's one of the largest groups that is fighting SB 277. And we have many supporters all over the world. So we have people from every state and and many countries in that group. It's called Our Kids, Our Choice. 
And so I recommend that you join that group or you can go to ourkidsourchoice.org. And then there are all kinds of websites, as you can imagine. Here's one of the oldest and the best. It's called the National Vaccine Information Center or NVIC, N-V-I-C dot O-R-G. Great. That's awesome. NVIC also has a sister site called nvicadvocacy.org, and it tells you what's going on state by state with informed consent on vaccines. And what is, do you have a, a general idea of what, what that looks like? I mean, obviously in California, they've passed a law where you have to get vaccinated, but right. is that happening so, anywhere else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the strictest law in the nation. And it's also a law in um, Mississippi and uh, I think Kentucky. Uh, but ours is the strictest. And I don't know quite how those other two states differ. But I do know that Oregon, Washington State, Texas, and I believe North Carolina have struck down the bill that was proposing this. I don't know about other states uh, in terms of their victory over this bill or a similar bill. Yeah, that's what I know. There's the states that I mentioned. And then I guess in other states, it's just going through the legislature and, you know, either people are fighting it or they're going to have to deal with it when it comes becomes a law. Everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> Seriously. Everybody take a really deep breath. <sighs> the deepest breath you've taken all day today. <sighs> <sighs> and so it's like... There's just so much doom and gloom. There's so much to be, like, really pissed off about and really scared about and sad about and just um, almost like a a little bit of a deflated. And I haven't allowed myself to go into any kind of hopelessness yet about it. Although I know that when you're on the front lines of facing this kind of evil, it can get there, right? Like you were saying last year, you were just like, I am tired. You know, I want to go somewhere where people get it. You know, I want to go be in Shangri-La. It blows my mind that this is even, even a thing. And so, and so I guess it's like, what is the silver lining for you, Stephanie? And like, what does it look like to keep your eye on the prize? Well, I know what's right. And I knew what was right before this bill was proposed. And I know my heart. And I know my power. And so I want to exercise that. I mean, right use of power. I mean, what we're witnessing is wrong use of power with this law. And, you know, my whole life is dedicated to right use of power, whether it's in birth or helping women create powerful businesses and economic prosperity. Uh, It's all about how do we use our power here on planet Earth in a way that is beneficial for everyone. And so you know, for years now, I was, you know, I was an environmental activist for many activists for many years. And, you know, speaking truth to power is something that I've been doing for a really long time. And so I know my heart and I know my own power. And I want to help others to know their hearts and to know their own power so that we can lift each other up. You know, one of my favorite sayings is we lift as we climb. Mm-hmm. So it's really about empowering each other to move forward about what you know fearlessly to affect change on earth. One of the most formidable mentors in my life, Russell Means, who since passed on the Native Native American activist and author Russell Means, who I had the pleasure of meeting, who fought at Wounded Knee, who was an, just an incredible freedom fighter for his people. 
said all the time to me, it's a good day to die. And I know that people right now are dying for their beliefs around vaccines, whether it's, um, you know, doctors or uh, people who are speaking out. And I'm not afraid to die, you guys. Like, I'm just not afraid. I know that this life goes beyond the physical realms and I'm, I'm not afraid. And so I will continue to speak out and shine my light and speak my truth in service to um, what I know is right and, and right use of power here on planet Earth. Well, you are an absolute beacon of light, Stephanie. How is it that people can get a hold of you and learn more about sacred birthing, learn more about the anti-vaccination movement, and also to contact you about some of your business coaching, which is a mm -hmm. fantastic area that you do so well? Thank you. Thank you. Well, you can certainly find me on Facebook. Uh, Stephanie Dawn is my name, P.H. <laughs> friend me there, find my public figure page and message me for more information. You can also find my website, uh, www.stephaniedon.com. That's D-A-W-N. And I'll be happy to answer any questions that I can in regards to anything that we've been discussing and beyond. It's my pleasure and my honor. Yeah, thank you. You know, you've been so inspirational for me in our in our friendship and in our mentorship in boldly taking a stand for what I believe in and for what I know to be true. Yeah, it's been it's been really powerful. Uh, and I do want that for everyone. I want that for all of our listeners. And that's why we share such conscious content. Um, and some of it's not as, you know, as fluffy and feel good. Like this is like the grit of the shit that's happening on our planet, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. but it's yeah. really, it's really important to spread the awareness so that people can feel empowered because once you shine the light uh, of the divine on all of this vile stuff that's happening, um, that's where empowerment lies is, yeah. is being able to open your eyes and then stand firmly in the truth. So yeah. thank you for yeah. <laughs> helping facilitate that in my life and our listeners. Yeah, you're so welcome. And, and the last thing that I want to say is that love is who we are. Love is all there is. And, uh, how do I, so how do I deal with some of the egregious wrongs that I witness happening in the world? I just, you know, I turn to love. I turn to the eyes of my children or my beloved husband or all the incredible parents that I've been meeting that are rising up right along with me like yourselves. And we're in a community here. Like I am not alone and right. I couldn't do this alone. <laughs> There's no way. So, um, I lean into my, my beloveds like yourselves to, uh, to do this work together and to hold hands, whether we're locally here in LA or through the invisible ways that we do connect, you know, through the internet and such. So it's about the new world being born as us, the new paradigm. I like to say, and so we lean into our community to those who are like-minded, who think like we think. And, and if they don't think like we think, at least they're open and they're respectful to have intelligent dialogue about some of these very passionate issues. We're waking up. We're waking up. Yeah. That's yeah. And so, that's, and so that's the silver lining is like change can be messy. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but things are really changing. I mean, all these, all the topics that are happening in the media right now, uh, we're shining the light on them. It's good. It's really good. So, well, thank you, Stephanie. And uh, again, I'm Rachel, Rachel Alcian, and you can find me on my website and, of course, on Facebook. I love connecting there as well. Um, some of the things that I'm most excited about sharing with 
everyone with the world in support of their evolution is my my VIP days, my VIP personal retreats. So if you want me one-on-one for a full day or an entire weekend, you can have that. So reach out, let me know. Uh, I also have my seven self-care success secrets for holistic luxury and vibrant sexuality happening uh, this September. So get registered for that. It's all early bird. It's really, really great. Um, I have finally finessed and massaged and polished and purged this program to a point where I am so proud of it. I 100% firmly believe in its transformational capabilities and that feels really good. (laughs) It's taken a few goes and I feel good. So get on board. It's pretty awesome. I've been watching it develop side by side and it's, uh, I can stand behind it too. So it's pretty awesome. I am Daniel Alcian. You can reach out to me on Facebook, of course. You can check out the Ecstatic Existence Facebook page. You can get me at ecstaticexistence.com and sign up for a self-discovery session. This is the first avenue in working one-on-one with me. It is a prerequisite to doing any other further work because the most important thing you can do is begin to understand yourself. In this session, you'll have a two-hour one-on-one session with me, at the end of which we will formulate a new roadmap to the new you. At that point, we can find out what additional ways we can work together. Sign up for that. Rachel and I also have an amazing program coming up. This is for couples. The first time ever that we have an in-home study program. This is beyond our on-location workshops. This is an actual online study program. It is the Essence of Ecstasy Passionate Partnership Program. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be coming out this fall. So get on either Rachel or my email list to get all the pre-details for that. There will probably be some early bird discounts involved Mm -hmm. as we go. Yeah, basically there's a lot of love here for you and a lot of support from Daniel and I and as well as Stephanie. So, hey, I I have something else, Stephanie, that I want to put you on the spot about. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're willing. Um, of course. One of my favorite things about Stephanie is her constant connection to the divine and weaving sacredness and holiness into every moment. She walks that big time. And so the way that she crafts a prayer is like, I mean, there are no words. <laughs> it's so magical. So Stephanie, would you be willing to close this fabulous episode out with a prayer for our listeners yes absolutely (sighs) yes so as we just take a deep breath together just really feeling into all that has been offered here during this time and just really allowing ourselves to even in the midst of all of this heavy duty energy we are choosing love and we are choosing light and we are accessing the spaciousness within our own hearts to really feel into that love vibration and to really know that this is the essence of life that right where i am love is and that love is giving birth to itself in through and as all that i am all that i can see all that i can feel all that i can touch love is having its way in through and as my mind, my heart, my body temple, and my entire body of affairs. And what is true for me is absolutely so for Rachel. It's absolutely so for Daniel. And it's absolutely so for each and every person that can hear my voice, that can tune into the love that they are and just access the spaciousness within themselves, the love that they are, the power, the light, the beauty, the gorgeousness, the good, 
So how grateful I am to be here this day to share what it is that I know, what I've experienced, the wisdom that I carry from my life as a woman, as a mother, as a sacred birth keeper, as a conscious human being here on planet Earth. I bless each and every one of us as we move forward in our lives to speak our truths, to stand in our power, to shine the light that only we can shine uniquely and magnificently that is ours to give. How grateful I am to speak my word and to bless Rachel and Daniel and all that they do and all that they give, all that they offer to the clients and to their tribe. So it is with a heart full of gratitude that I lift this prayer up into the arms of God, the arms of spirit, knowing that the highest and the best is unfolding for each and every one of us, that radiant light is having its way even through the difficult places and spaces that we have spoken of tonight, that revolution and transformation is indeed happening simply because we are. So how grateful I am to know this, how grateful I am to stand in my power, to speak my word and to know that my word has power simply by uttering it and that this is true for each and every one of us, that we have power and that it's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. So I'm so, so grateful for this time. I just lovingly bless each and every precious soul that can hear my voice knowing that light and love is having its way uniquely and magnificently as all of us, as Rachel and Daniel's gorgeous tribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sweet spirit. With an open heart and a grateful heart, I release my word and I allow it to be now. And so it is. Amen. <laughs> 